This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 411. The Hunger Games, Is Being Hungry Bad? by Ben Greenfield of bengreenfieldfitness.com. And I'm Dr. Neil. Hey there, happy Monday. Welcome back to another week of Optimal Health Daily. This is where I act as your narrator of the best health and fitness blogs, all for free. We cover fitness, nutrition, stress management, weight management, and lots more. This is just like an audiobook, but it's like I read from a bunch of different authors. So it's like you get a bunch of different topics all in one show. And then on Fridays, I like to bust myths and answer your questions right here on the show. So for those of you that listened to last week's Friday Q&A, my voice sounded a lot worse. To me, my voice still sounds a little bit stuffed up. And so I thank you for hanging in there with me. And on last Friday's episode, I went on a little rant about how just one night of staying up late led to this hoarseness in my voice and how basically I'm realizing I'm not so young anymore. And in fact, funny or maybe not so funny story, my wife actually recently told me, you know, you've probably got to relax a little bit more. You do work really, really hard. And then here was the key statement. You're not that young anymore. Now, normally I would have been really miffed and said, what? I'm not that young anymore, how could you say that? If it weren't for the fact that recently, my doctor actually said the same thing to my face. When I was going in for a checkup, I basically said something like, you know, I can recover from things pretty quickly, I'm still pretty young. And he pauses and goes, uh, you're not that young anymore. (laughs) So needless to say, the first time I heard it from my doctor, I was taken aback. But by the time I heard it from my wife, it wasn't as shocking anymore. So anywho, long story that became, I guess, an even longer story. If my voice still sounds stuffy, it's because I'm a little bit older now and I can't recover as quickly, I guess. All right, with regards to today's post, we're gonna get a little deep into the science of things, which you know I nerd out about a lot, but stick with me. It'll make sense at the end, I promise. So with that, let's get right to it and start optimizing your life. The Hunger Games, Is Being Hungry Bad? by Ben Greenfield of bengreenfieldfitness.com. The other day I was doing an indoor bike workout while watching the 1993 replay of the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon. A portion of the video was devoted to Chucky V, the crazy 1990s bad boy of triathlon who sported a mohawk and actually got banned from racing in Ironman Hawaii due to some controversial race antics. As Chucky is standing on the road, stuffing his face post-workout, he jokes through mouthfuls, the only thing that sucks about eating is having to take time to breathe. How about you? Are you constantly hungry? Do you finish one meal and immediately begin thinking about or planning your next one? And is being hungry all the time like this bad or means something is wrong with you or your physiology? Why you get hungry. When you eat, the fat cells in your body release a hormone called leptin. Increased levels of leptin reduce your desire and motivation to continue eating or eat more. Within a few hours after you've finished eating, your leptin levels drop, and this drop in leptin causes a release of a different hormone, ghrelin, which is released by your stomach and pancreas and makes you feel hungry. This is one reason why many people have a harder time controlling their appetite or stopping after they've eaten enough. They're leptin-resistant. Leptin resistance can be a bit of a vicious cycle because a large intake of calories over a long period of time, like eating too much when you're in college for four years, causes chronic hyperleptinemia or high leptin levels in the blood for long periods of time. And the appetite-controlling activity of leptin eventually becomes less and less effective. 
So it's possible to eat yourself into having a chronically high appetite. If leptin is acting correctly, it triggers the satiety signals in a part of your brain called your hypothalamus, and this makes you stop feeling hungry. Leptin can also inhibit the hunger signals from the hypothalamus. The other interesting part of this equation is that those chronically high leptin levels cause chronically low ghrelin levels. This makes your hypothalamus hypersensitive to ghrelin, so that when small amounts of ghrelin are released, you get very hungry very fast. In addition to spending much of your life eating too much, other lifestyle choices that can cause a leptin-ghrelin imbalance include lack of sleep, stress, and even if you're not overeating, eating hyperpalatable foods, such as processed or packaged foods that were designed to be addictive. Potato chips, anyone? So is leptin resistance all that can make you hungry? Absolutely not. Other reasons you get hungry include, one, expecting yourself to be hungry. A 1998 study showed that the memory of what you've eaten actually accounts for a significant portion of your hunger, and being full is partially a matter of recalling whether you've eaten a meal appropriate for the occasion. For the same reason that you might be reluctant to eat dinner foods like spaghetti or steak for breakfast, you may simply feel full after meals because you expect to be full. And you may simply get hungry because you expect to get hungry, which may be why frequent snackers have such a hard time switching to eating three times a day. Two, changing your weight significantly. There is a theory called the set point theory that suggests that your body has a specific weight range in which it is comfortable and this is usually somewhere around 10% of your body weight. So, if you weigh 200 pounds, you have a 20-pound range and can generally avoid any intense hunger pains if you're at 190 pounds or above. But whether due to genetics or an internal help-I'm-starving signal, when you venture too far outside your set point, your body seeks homeostasis and begins adjusting your metabolism to maintain weight. And part of this adjustment can include craving food. Three burning lots of calories. Let's face it, whether due to a naturally high metabolism, I've personally been tested and I burn 2,500 calories a day just lying on the ground, and or due to extremely high amounts of activity, like you're an Ironman triathlete, like my Chucky V example, your body just needs more nutrients and more calories to keep from self-cannibalization. Four, having a dopamine or serotonin deficiency. Chronic use of antidepressants or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRIs, in addition to a very low fat diet, inadequate protein intake, or a high stress lifestyle can all lead to disruptions in brain neurotransmitters that help to control cravings or help you be more satisfied or happy with the foods that you do eat. Finally, due to our inherent survival mechanisms, just the sight or smell of food can make you hungry even if there's no physiological need for calories or nutrients, which is why buffets can be a very risky experience if you're limiting calories. So is hunger a bad thing? First, it's important to understand that in a normal situation, the leptin-ghrelin interaction and the hunger it produces is completely necessary for your survival. Starting from the time when you were a baby, if you never got hungry, you'd have very little incentive to eat. No eating would mean no nutrients or calories, which severely limits your growth and survival. But if there's no physiological need for hunger and you have ample energy stores from food or your own fat stores, then there's probably something wrong if you're constantly hungry. And here's what I'd recommend you do. One, resensitize yourself to leptin. 
try four to eight weeks of completely changing your lifestyle and eating patterns that may be contributing to leptin resistance. Here are some ways to do it. Avoid fructose sugars. They tend to be a real trigger for leptin resistance. Exercise in moderation. No stressful marathon workouts necessary. Control stress and cortisol. I recommend a stress-relieving activity like regular nature walks or yoga. Two, avoid hunger triggers. Certain eating patterns and foods have been proven to be correlated with higher amounts of hunger. Here are some tips for controlling those triggers. Keep sweets and snacks out of the house or hidden in opaque containers. When you're eating, keep any extra food on the countertop or put it away like in the fridge before you begin your meal. Avoid higher carbohydrate or fast sugar release foods that spike the blood sugar and cause a hunger response very soon after a meal. And limit your options by having small amounts of simple, real, raw foods around the house. No big Costco variety packs or easy-to-grab cans and bags. Three, know what you ate. As mentioned earlier, food memory and knowledge of calories consumed is enormously helpful in controlling hunger. So try keeping a food log. I personally log all my food for my clients. The way I do it is I have a free private blog on posterous.com. Then I just send a daily email with what I ate and it auto posts to that blog. Or you could use photos. Diet Snaps is a great app for taking food photos and recording what you ate if writing isn't your thing. Now it's almost impossible to keep track of food and calories if you're snacking five to 10 times a day as many nutritionists sadly suggest. Instead, just eat two to three square meals, and then if you have a workout, only eat either before or after the workout. And then make your own food. The less you dine out at restaurants or have other people prepare your food or eat out of packages and containers, the easier it will be to keep track of and know what you ate. Summary. Being hungry is not a bad thing if it is because you have a biological need for more calories or nutrients. But if not, it may indicate a hormonal imbalance or psychological trigger that may need to be addressed. You just listened to the post titled, The Hunger Games, Is Being Hungry Bad? by Ben Greenfield of bengreenfieldfitness.com. 10 or 15 years ago, we really didn't have a good understanding of what leptin and ghrelin, these hormones that Ben mentioned, really were all about. But he's right that what we know so far is leptin helps you eat less, while ghrelin, I kind of think of it as like the gremlin inside you, if it helps you remember, wants you to eat more. And like Ben said, the fact of the matter is, it's not that we don't make enough leptin or that some people don't make enough leptin. What happens often is people make plenty of leptin, but for some reason their cells stop responding to it, which means they never get the signal that they should stop eating. Now, you might be thinking, can I go out and get tested for this? I think that might be my problem. Right now, the testing isn't all that great. So it may not be able to tell you all that much if you go to your doctor and say, I want a leptin test. But what I do want to address that Ben didn't get to address in his post is the fact that if you are hungry all the time, it could be due to some other factors, like a thyroid issue. We all have this gland located in our neck called the thyroid. And for some people, their thyroid gets a little hyperactive. We call that hyperthyroidism. And when that happens, because the thyroid helps control our metabolism or how many calories we burn in a day, that could mean that the person's gonna feel hungry a lot. Because they're burning so many calories, their body says, hey, I need more fuel all the time. 
So if you are hungry all the time, it may be worthwhile to get checked for hyperthyroidism. For others, it may signal something like diabetes. Constantly feeling hungry even after you just ate, not feeling satisfied, these are also symptoms of diabetes. And so if this is the case, you may also wanna talk to your doctor to have them check your blood sugar levels and or your blood insulin levels. But if everything checks out okay and you're still feeling hungry, then yeah, it might be a good idea to change your lifestyle in some way and definitely look at the quality of your diet. If you're eating protein-rich foods, a diet that's moderate to high in fiber, chances are you're gonna blunt some of that hunger that comes along with eating right after a meal. That's because protein tends to satisfy. Same with fiber. But if your diet is full of simple carbohydrates or processed foods, those often contain less fiber, for example. They spike your blood sugar, which then leads to that crash, which is gonna make you feel hungry really soon after you eat. All right, before I go on, I wanna remind you, don't forget, we have four other podcasts where we narrate blogs for you. We cover a bunch of different topics. So to subscribe to those, just search for Optimal Living Daily wherever you're hearing this show. Thanks as always for doing that. Thank you for being here every day. Thank you for putting up with my voice. Have a great start to your week. See you back here tomorrow where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this show and Optimal Living Daily, the brother podcast of this one. Literally, I'm Dr. Neil's brother. If you like the format of this show, you'll love Optimal Living Daily too, where I also read to you from blogs, but cover other topics like personal development, finance, and minimalism from bloggers like Derek Sivers, The Minimalists, Zen Habits, and many more. So for more amazing content read to you for free, come subscribe to Optimal Living Daily too, and together we'll optimize your life. You've been listening to Optimal Health Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us and remember, your optimal life awaits.